0: Welcome again to our frequent podcast called Wear Many Hats, inspired by Ethan Hawkey. Throughout the year, I, David Punter, the Business Development Director for Hawkey Cleaning and Support Services, shall be interviewing prominent facilities management and procurement subject matter experts across a range of industry market sectors. It is these people with their wealth of knowledge and experience that will inspire the next generation of young professionals. Our objective is to share our guests' stories and experiences to help motivate, engage and inspire others into the industry. Through Wear Many Hats podcast, we hope our listeners will gain new perspectives, insights and learn about strategies to develop their careers in the procurement FM business. It gives me great pleasure to introduce... Mellon Taylor. And you are from... Work for a global multinational called D-Ball Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, and without sort of further ado, I'd like to um, sort of launch into my first uh, set of questions just to understand a little bit about uh, your, your career journey. So tell me, um, can you tell me about your
1: career journey in terms of how you entered into procurement? Sure. So from my early days, I've been kind of very passionate about solving complex problems, challenges uh, through use of technology and data. Right. Okay, so, so that kind of first got me into into engineering. So I did my my diploma in digital electronics. Then I did my bachelor's in electronics. And then when I was kind of uh, you know looking at what I should pursue as my masters, uh, you know, I kind of figured out for myself that if I have to feed my passion, um, the best place would be to to kind of specialize in operations and supply chain because that's the field which uh, kind of enables. Any individual to make a difference, make a difference, not just to the organization, but to the to the people and general society as a whole. So that's how kind of I I studied supply chain, studied operations. Okay. Uh, and where did you study? So I be born and brought up in Mumbai. Okay. So I've done my entire education in Mumbai and I've been based out of London for last three and a half years. Okay. And uh, so continue your, your journey.
0: You've decided that uh, you've, you've done your uh, master's and you've done the ed- education
1: side. So what was the first sort of job role that you went in? Absolutely. So started off as a management trainee for a, a global paint company called Kansai Narolac Paints in India, wherein I was responsible for setting up contract manufacturers across, across India, running those contract manufacturers, deploying SAP, APOs, um, distribution planning, Everything which was related to you know to to managing the the contract manufacturers you know after that stint I I spent a, I had a short stint with uh, L'Oreal uh, in their consumer product division where I was uh, okay also their, based in India all based in Mumbai yeah okay so so yeah was so managing, L'Oreal the cosmetic L'Oreal cosmetics yeah the French okay. the French organization where I was why I I was heading their demand planning uh, for their consumer product division um, and then I was also kind of Part of that team that launched luxury product division that in, in India at that point in time. Um, and then I had a five-year stint with uh, with a 3PL company called uh, Drive India Enterprise Solution, which was then a Tata group company. And then but, oh, very recently it got acquired by TVS. So that's where I, I would say I learned the ins and outs of procurement, the ins and outs of supply chain, the ins and outs of uh, the customer um let's say, the customer part of it in terms of how, okay. how we can manage end-to-end. So you didn't
0: just wake up and think, I want to go into procurement, did you?
1: Absolutely not. So I I, I keep saying this, you know, that uh, I am in procurement and supply chain by design and not by accident okay. because a lot of, you know, I, I mean, as you see, if you see traditionally, a lot of people get into procurement by either they don't have a choice either they were kind of forced into it or they just kind of end up being into procurement supply chain by accident right somebody's on the shop floor then he gets into the buyer role and then he grows but yeah for my in my case it was it was very uh, i would say it was by design that i wanted to kind of get into into uh, into procurement supply okay chain. did someone mentor you or was it something that you just thought i'm pretty good at this so this is what i'm going to do so as i said i think when i was when i was doing my my, my bachelor's and i was kind of looking at various options of of the career that i need to pursue i was clear i wanted to do my master's i had i had two options you know okay. do master's in engineering because i had done diploma and then i did, did my degree in electronics uh so that was one route that i had to could pursue and the other route was kind of get into management and and specialize into into supply into into various things marketing hr finance but i have I, I, at that point, I was kind of when I analyzed my own strengths, um, and of course, I analyzed at that point. Okay, what's the uh, you know what's the field that's going to kind of grow? I kind of said that where yes, the money is, basically, isn't it? I would say where the who moves the money. I would say not where the money is, but okay. who moves the money. I guess I guess procurement supply chain is where everything where the money moves in the in the system, right? So yeah, okay. I think that's that's what kind of uh, that's what the decision was. That okay, this is the field wherein. Um, I would use my my skills or my passion Mm -hmm. um, and also I would be able to kind of make a career for myself okay thank you for that so I just
0: want to try and understand or certainly for our listeners what sector you work in at the moment um, and how has facilities management and procurement evolved in that sector over the last three years
1: so I've been working with uh, DeBolding stuff for over 10 years now. Okay. I I joined them as their head of supply chain in India. And they are specifically yep. doing ah, right. so DeBolding stuff so is into uh manufacture, installation, uh, sale and service of ATMs, ATM uh, automatic, automatic uh, teller machines, uh self checkout terminals and point of sale terminals. So we are global leader in in these in these two segments which is banking and retail.
0: Okay. Thank you. So just just to get my head around what the company does and stuff. So um, and and how has I mean, obviously, you are a procurement person that specializes in the services of that organization that you form part of. Is that correct? That's correct. So I head the global procurement services procurement. OK. And in terms of the global procurement, how many countries does
1: that cover? So I'm responsible for a spend of approximately one billion. Okay, uh, managing it across sixty-five plus country and a team of uh, seventy-plus procurement and supply chain professionals. Okay, because I, I I know your head office is based in Ohio. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah.
0: and uh, and I think your your organization is, has offices in out, right the way from Algeria to Vietnam. Absolutely. And you have how many people reporting into you? How does that structure work? So. So,
1: my total team size is 70 plus. Uh, in procurement. In procurement, uh, okay. the global services procurement team. And uh, I have a team, a direct report of 11, uh, which is kind of divided into geography and uh, into category based. So, so the way we are geographically structured is we have APAC as a region, EMEA as a region, then we have Americas, which is further divided into North America, LATAM, and Brazil. And EMEA. So, Brazil just sits on his own? Yeah, Brazil does sit on its own. Okay. that's It's a bit unique. Yeah, it's so each area for me has an area head, and then I'm supported by by three global category category managers. Okay,
0: and and obviously we had a conversation before, and you you are uh, specializes in the procurement of not the products that your company produce and sell and stuff, but the actual services within your um, organization. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, and. Sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there. Just wanted for our listeners to understand your business and that. Um but so how has facilities management evolved over
1: the last 3 years? Back to my original question. <laughs> so uh, so I guess last 3 years have been I think challenging for everybody. Yeah, uh, it's been a lot of unknowns, a lot of a uh, lot of variables. Um so from um, so in terms of the evolution, I would say evolution I would say for us has been on on two or three major aspects. One is the people aspect in terms of how how we work as a team. Uh you know because everything has got got virtual everything everything is virtual, right? Not just the team meetings, but supplier negotiations became virtual, you know, stakeholder meeting became virtuals. Uh, so everything moved from being in office in person discussions to to virtual overnight. So that, that was one big change. Uh, from the supplier side, on the supplier front as well, everything became virtual because Earlier, we were visiting the suppliers. We yeah. were inviting them in the in the office, having a face to face negotiations. Uh, you know, multiple rounds of discussions with stakeholders to understand what the requirements are, what what needs to be you know what needs to be done to be able to get the best price, the, the best solution for the organization. That all of a sudden or overnight it moved into uh, into being virtual. So I think that that was a big uh, change that yeah. we had to do or or, or or what we had to adopt is to adapt to the 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 virtual way of working so okay. that's been a very big big change for us uh, I guess we are not exception I guess for all of us it has been a big change and mm-hmm. then with that comes in the uh, you know the adapting to to working from home right I mean not okay. not everybody um, was used to it or not everybody has the has the the requested infrastructure. To be able to work from home so that kind of put additional responsibility on the organization as well to kind of take care of people uh, you know who, who had some challenges or who couldn't do everything work from home okay. so yeah it has it been a bit challenging to adopt to this uh new norm i would say mm-hmm. and what else uh i would say use of technology okay. uh, within procurement has has increased uh over last three years so technology adoption has has increased drastically uh the focus is on adding value. The focus is on uh, is on uh, how we can drive more value to the business, not just savings. So for me, value is not just savings. It's it's a it's a it's a whole lot of factors from a, a value perspective, and and the expectation is that procurement should not do mundane task procurement should not be doing just cutting the pos or procurement should not be just job- one just following up with the uh with the suppliers for mm-hmm. deliveries or or for the invoices or invoice payments so uh, so all of these tasks are kind of to me are becoming more and more mundane and to be done di- and to be automized. so okay the the and trend you- is towards sorry the trend is towards becoming an uh, a hyper automated uh, procurement uh, processes. Okay. So we're looking at as
0: I say what's changed over the 3 years and stuff. I think you mentioned that there were three points. One you
1: said about people, two you said about technology and what else? Supplier. Supplier negotiations, supplier supplier relationship management changed completely okay. over the last 3 years. Okay. <clears throat> um what advice would you give to someone
0: who is interested in starting a career in procurement? I would
1: say if you're looking to enter this field, rest assured it's a it's an absolutely exciting field. Okay. Uh, you're you're stepping in a great profession. Um and why I say this is one uh, it's very exciting. Uh no day is a is a routine day. Every day it brings its own new set of challenges, um, new set of uh solutions, new set of stakeholders, new set of uh regulatory issues. So there is whole plethora of things that you will learn uh, and face every day. So very exciting. Uh, Second, I would say, uh, contrary to the general perception, procurement is becoming very strategic. You know, though it's not as sexy as what people would look at marketing or finance, uh, last three years, this has changed. The perception has changed. So procurement is very, very strategic in nature. So if you look at a company's spend, uh, 60-70% of of spend is on the external spend, which means we have a opportunity to impact the bottom line straight away uh, okay so so that's that's there um, the other piece I would say is so it, sorry so yeah. is procurement becoming the new sexy then I would love it to happen that way <laughs> yeah because it's you know, for for too long I think procurement has been playing a back uh, you know a back office role you know and I, I certainly believe procurement is not a is not a back office role okay uh, you know it is it's something which is very very strategic something which can help the organization survive and and believe me in in this pandemic the organizations which didn't have a good procurement organization they have they have just collapsed so mm -hmm. that's a very
0: interesting point because obviously the big challenge since the pandemic has been supply chain issues and clearly there's been a need to bolster the um, procurement side of particularly large organizations like yourself that probably already had it in place but it'd be interesting to know have you increased your procurement headcount since the pandemic in your organization or has it stayed pretty much the same because the systems are already there?
1: I would say from a headcount perspective we've remained as it is but the focus has moved towards being a more resilient supply chain, a more sustainable supply chain. Okay. Right. So um,
0: how um, do you think have online meetings changed the facilities management or, sorry, procurement um, engagement and collaboration process? I know you mentioned about, you know, since the pandemic, virtual meetings and stakeholder meetings and supplier meetings. Do you feel that that's made the suppliers and these people a bit too at arm's length? Has
1: it been very harder to engage with those people? I would say it's, Virtual meetings have not been new for for procurement, especially for for those who've been managing multi-site, multinational, uh, you know, multi-country uh, organizations. Wherein in the past as well, if I, I was sitting in Mumbai or sitting in London, I used to negotiate with uh, you know with a supplier in China. Okay. Guess that's that. So it's it's not new. Uh, I think the whole issue what I see is with with uh, uh, with virtual negotiations is you don't get that in-person warmth and that feeling of of you know talking to a person you know and and when you are doing a big negotiation uh i i being a bit bit old-fashioned i would still prefer to have that meeting in person wherein i can see the see the person i can see his uh you know mm-hmm. his gestures his you know body language his interest i mean those are the finer nuances which you uh, which you kind of genuinely miss in the in the virtual uh, virtual meetings but um uh, i think I believe these virtual meetings are, and virtual uh, way of meetings is is going to stay for for a longer time. Yes. I think it's there's no
0: replacement to this. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, obviously, it's nice to see the whites of people's <clears throat> eyes and see the gestures and things. I mean, how have you overcome that? Then, if you're doing a negotiation, sometimes you do need to see gestures and and humor. Sometimes has to come in and things like that. So, but how have you personally overcome that? So.
1: I would say what what I did, and then what we did for the team as well is we we kind of conducted certain trainings, uh, you know, knowledge sharing sessions with the okay. team in terms of how how you should go in a, in a virtual negotiation, right? What are the what are the finer nuances, uh, you know, that you need to need to adopt when you are in a virtual virtual environment. So, I generally prefer before getting onto a call, then I would I would have a one to one with their with the guy who's on the other side of the table, you know, my equivalent or, or higher up in terms of at least to build a rapport before that meeting. It shouldn't yeah. be like, okay, hi, hello, how are you? You know, I am so-and-so. I mean, it shouldn't start with that because then you don't have that rapport uh, getting into a discussion. So I my way is, before I'm getting into a negotiation, I would, beforehand, I would kind of have a, just an introductory call. Share some notes. Share some ideas in terms of what it is, what we are looking at, what is their perception, which then helps me to kind of prepare okay. better for the for the discussion. And and believe me, it works uh, in in most of the things because then there is no ice breaking required in that mm-hmm. meeting, right? When you come in, you know each other, you know what we've discussed, so it it becomes a little more friendlier. It becomes much more easier to go through the discussions. Yes, yes. it still has its own challenges, which which will continue to stay, but uh, at least better preparation helps uh, in virtual negotiations. Yes,
0: it does. I mean, obviously, we've been making telephone calls for a very long time. um, But virtual ones and seeing people's face, we haven't been doing for a very long time. Um, And if one makes a telephone call, you're always sometimes having that ice breaking conversation beforehand, before you get down to the crunch deals and things. That brings me nicely, actually, on to um, you know what what role do you see artificial intelligence playing in um, in procurement now and in the future?
1: So, as I said, I think for me, uh, the convergence of procurement with AI is kind of changing procurement and the world by itself. You know, AI to me is the is the capstone of uh, technological development, and with this, procurement is going to or has taken a leap. Uh, in in the way it functions, uh, three or more three three factors I would say three uh, three major benefits which I see uh, coming in with with AI. One uh, extreme efficiency uh, with AI uh, you can look at eliminating a lot of human error, lack of data, and automating a lot of mundane manual things which 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 requires people today. So. It would be AI would take on a lot of mundane, regular stuff. So okay. that's that's one. Uh, second, I would say very important would be in optimizing our supplier relationship and category management plans. Uh, today, you can imagine for for a, for a company like ours, we have over two thousand suppliers. Okay. Uh, Forty-five to fifty categories. Uh, it's it's humanly impossible to keep the track of each and every element or the variables in that category or what okay. happens in the supplier relationship uh, on the supplier relationship front so with ai i think a lot of these information these uh, related to categories uh, related to geopolitical movements related to uh, commodity pricing uh, all of these factors which affect a category uh, would be available at a click of a button and then uh, the role of a category manager would truly be to to intercept that data, to analyze and synthesize that data in the context of your business. So that's okay. that's what the role I would say um, you know, AI would help in optimizing the supplier relationship and category management. Um, lastly, I would say it is, it's going to be really helpful in identifying financial benefits for the organization. Uh, so I would say in terms of opportunities to grow revenue, opportunities to drive the bottom line benefit so ai with its inherent capability of uh, you know of capturing a lot of data from multiple sources multiple inputs will be able to give us those identify those opportunities which we generally would miss out so i think ai is somewhat something which would really take procurement to the next level um, and drive next mm. level of efficiency and benefits for the organisation. Okay, no, I think
0: uh, uh, I think all three of them are very very valid um, and insightful um, points to make on <clears throat> how you see AI as a, a procurement tool. Uh, not to say it will do away with the human. Element, but it will certainly speed up and uh, and, and and make uh, you know areas of uh, of greater efficiency with data. Absolutely. Yeah? Okay. Um, what do you think does the future of the uh, facilities um, landscape look
1: like? I would say today, if you look at it, uh, you know any organisation. Uh, there are unprecedented changes happening, right, in the business environment, okay. uh, which are questioning the, the, uh, future viability, right? If you look at it in terms of inflationary pressures, if we look at it in terms of, uh, uh, expanding regulatory requirements, if we look at pricing fluctuations, if we, to add to that, we have geopolitical tensions, which are kind of shifting the entire, uh, you know, the, the the supply chains right today we are talking about onshoring uh near shoring so all mm. of these factors are kind of uh, are continuous disruptions if you look at it for last four or five years these have, these have been continuous disruptions and mm. I believe this is an opportunity for procurement to be a disruptor in terms of how they conduct business, how they drive value proposition for the organization. So for, for me, uh, the future of the procurement has to be uh will be focused on maximizing external relationships or third party third party relationships drive okay. innovation um close integration and collaboration with help of data i think that's that's what the future uh would look like for for procurement okay so i mean i would i would say the role that procurement would play would be more of a a brand ambassador or a brand custodian uh one a role of a chief collaborator or a chief orchestrator because Mm -hmm. you are kind of managing multiple networks or a network of networks because nobody today wants to do vertical integration right everybody wants to kind of build on somebody else's strength and be. so it's a network of network that you are managing Uh, and as I said maybe on from a brand ambassador perspective today if you look at the regulatory requirements uh, there are so many regulatory requirements um, on the on the external spend side, right? In terms of, uh, you know, from where we are buying, if there are any labor, uh, you know, child labor, if there is, you know, many, many of this uh, the laws which are coming in Germany today. If you look mm. at, at the supply chain laws, all these have and have can impact your business, mm. and this can impact your business significantly. So, I, I see in future procurement to be the one who to be developing this sustainability and resilience and being the brand custodian as well for for the organization.
0: Okay. And um, what five key skills do you believe are essential for anyone working in procurement?
1: Just five? Just five? Okay. (laughs) So I would say high level, I'd like to start with, too uh, too broad uh you know broad things uh for somebody who is just entering or who wants to enter into fo- into procurement i would say uh, the foundational skills would be negotiation skills yeah. be indispensable for sure uh, goes without saying uh second is uh relationship management because this is is the most important aspect of procurement even at a very early stage you are managing your stakeholders you are managing your suppliers you are managing uh, you know uh, regulators uh, you know you are managing so many people so that's managing relationship is the is the basic and the third one is financial acumen right at the end of the day each, every, each and every organization thrives on, on financial standing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you need to be, uh, an accountant to know the, you know, the P and L and balance sheet in and out, but you need to have that financial acumen. You need to have that, uh, um, that, uh, you know, that sense of how the numbers will be, you know, numbers will play around. So these three would, I would say are the, um, are the key skills for someone who is at an initial stage or, or kind of wanting to make a career in procurement. Okay. Uh, and someone who is kind of at an advanced level or somebody who's the you know who's who wants to grow i would say there are two critical elements which i would like to know which needs to be there one risk management uh as i said the risks that are increasing uh you know in today's environment mm-hmm. and and these are coming in from number of sites uh you know so today's procurement team or a procurement leader has to have a very very good Ability to anticipate those risks. You can never, cannot, you can never make this, you know, reduce this, you cannot eliminate this risk, but you can only reduce this risk. So you need yeah. to have a very, very, uh, you know, good uh, sense of anticipating this risk uh, coming in and take Take preventive and corrective actions in advance mm-hmm. so that the these, the impact is softened out. So mm-hmm. that's that's a very important skill I would say, uh, which someone should uh, getting at a higher level in procurement needs to have. Um, and second, data analytics. Uh, basic analytics everybody can do, but now today we look at social media. Today we look at you know so many in so much of information which is data that is coming mm-hmm. in. AI can do a lot of data crunching for you, but at the end of the day, somebody has to analyze, synthesize, and take business decisions. So mm. that's the key uh, key skill uh, which uh, which someone in someone in procurement needs to have um, in order to be successful. So these, I would say, would be the two uh, key additional skills that someone uh, at a higher level in procurement uh, okay. must have. Thank you. Um-
0: how um how do you st- I'm, I'm moving a few questions because I think some of the ones you've answered there but how um do you stay informed about new developments and trends in procurement
1: so i would say there is no one size fits all kind of thing here you know uh, because procurement uh today is is so so much Vast and 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 kind of being impacted on number of factors. Yeah. For me, it is not just about uh, you know getting keeping us keeping myself informed about procurement or supply chain aspects, but also about knowing what's happening on the HR side, knowing what's happening on the uh, you know on the geopolitical side, what's happening on the technology side, what is happening on the on the overall business you know, on the overall business on the overall economy, right? So so you need to be aware and updated about all of these factors again you can't be an expert mm-hmm. um, the best way i find is uh, to subscribe uh, subscribe to various blogs uh, you know to have a uh, subscription to articles uh, wall street journal is one of them uh, for sure which kind of gives you an overall business perspective okay. um, and the suppliers i think they are the most important source of information and they are the most important uh, uh place where you can keep yourself updated about because they are the subject matter experts in their field right absolutely so so that's the way I I keep myself informed you know reading subscribing to various uh, you know various articles journals uh, and meeting up a lot of suppliers talking to them understanding what's happening in their industry and then have that ability to connect the dots and see how this would impact my business okay. What do you see um, as the
0: biggest opportunities and challenges um, in procurement over the next five years?
1: So, I would say, in terms of opportunities, uh, procurement is is poised to play a much strategic, much bigger strategic role in the you know, getting into the future. What right. what pandemic has done is it has it has brought to the fore the strategic importance of procurement. So it's upon the procurement professionals now to build onto that, okay. uh, you know, keep continuously keep adding value and building on that. So to me, uh, going forward in future, uh, we would play a, a much more strategic role. Uh, second technology, uh, is going to play a vital role. Um, we are not going to get additional headcounts for sure the company is expecting us to do more with less mm-hmm. and that's where we need to kind of have uh, uh use technology mm-hmm. uh optimize processes automate processes and focus on doing value-add stuff focus on doing the the intelligent part of the uh, and leave the rest to the to the artificial intelligence and the uh you know of the world that so what do you mean by value-added then? You're saying focusing on that. What is that? Yeah, so I would say an example. Uh, AI can create, give you inputs on category plans, as mm-hmm. I explained earlier, right? So, But then the value-add is how do you synthesize that data? How do you connect it with your own business and come up with your strategies of how you want to run your category? Mm-hmm. Right, so that's the intelligent part of it. Today, if you see the time a category manager spends on Presenting or collecting that information itself is, is possibly 50, 60, 70% of his time. Too much time is spent collecting, collecting,
0: yeah, getting it all together and stuff and less time spent on analyzing,
1: analyzing and strategizing. So I would say in the future, a lot of these roles while will become redundant. So it's very important for the procurement team as well, or the procurement professionals as well, to keep upskilling themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these roles, I can say, surely say that will become redundant over mm-hmm. a period of next few, next few years. And I'm not talking about ten years from now, three years, two years from now. A lot of these roles which are there today, uh, a buyer role, a very simple buyer role, who is yeah. uh, they're just going to become redundant. Uh, but that's that's where the lies the opportunity, right? For people to upskill, people to grow, and procurement function to kind of get technology and start focusing on adding on adding value. Okay, and um,
0: what challenges are you faced with in terms of recruitment, retention, and recognition of
1: your workforce? Ooh, last last one year has been an absolute roller coaster right i mean if i if i have to if i have to say on the on the talent side of it right uh it's a situation where we have a war for talent okay and layoffs and great resignation and labor shortages right i i haven't seen in my 20 years of career uh, a situation which has so many of the things coming built into into wow. into that period uh you know of time wow. so it's it's really really very challenging I would say for us uh, or for me, uh, the focus has been on on how do we take care of our existing employees so if you, okay. you spoke about you spoke about recognition, um, you know you spoke about uh, retention. retention and you spoke about the recruitment for me the sequence is recognition retention and then recruitment right so recognize your employees take care of them so that you can retain them the more you retain the less you have to recruit mm-hmm. uh, so to me it's it's the root causes or the or the root is how do we ensure that we we take care of our employees how do we recognize them how do we make them feel connected to our culture um, and how do we make them feel that they belong to the organization right for me personally that these have been the two big factors uh you know over the last 3 4 years especially during this pandemic is mm-hmm people you could see initially then people could get disconnected because you know somebody sitting in belgium um, you know earlier that person used to go to office and all of a sudden now the person is sitting at home and you know he feels disconnected to the organization he feels disconnected to the team so uh, i think for us the focus has been how do we get our exist our teams to feel connected to the culture they okay. kind of continuously recognizing their efforts and appreciating what what they are doing so and, and, and how have you done that so for us it has been various i would say various initiatives uh you know co- initiatives which have been taken at a corporate level uh and then there have been some initiatives which have been taken at let's say from a just from a procurement perspective okay. so we do very very simple things and again uh you know it doesn't need money uh so what we do is we do uh, something called as fun meetings uh we have something called as friday coffees uh you know wherein we just just have a you know Chat anything about uh, anything other than work you know we don't talk about work but anything other than work Uh, we have some you know monthly knowledge sharing sessions wherein somebody who's done really good some small project maybe 50,000 maybe 100,000 but yeah he's done something good we come in we we kind of invite that person to come in and present in front of the full team uh, you know so that you know is is a recognition of his uh, you know of the hard work or the or the accomplishment that the person has done so smaller things but they, they, they kind of go a long way mm. in, uh, in increasing the morale of the employees and improving the retention levels.
0: Okay. Um, now just moving on to a few of the last ones of my questions here. Um, what, what, are, um, what, what, what are some of the greatest achievements um, in your career um, in, in, in procurement
1: that you can speak of? Oh, in terms of achievements I've kind of I can talk about a number of projects where we've driven value in terms of savings in terms of you know business transformation but one one specific one which I would like to kind of uh, call out which is uh, you know which which was kind of very fulfilling and satisfying for me was uh, the project that I led uh, during pandemic to source the PPEs uh the personal okay. uh, you know the protection equipment uh, as, as I'm sure you remember that during the pandemic the masks and uh, uh, you know sanitizers and everything was kind of just not available in the market and I was leading this project wherein I I was sourcing the PPE for the company across the globe to be distributed across the globe and uh, I, I was able to source um, millions and millions of PPE from Across the globe, and we were able to supply it to our field force. Uh, as you can imagine, for for a company which has a twenty thousand field force, uh, you know, and when we had to comply to our uh, to to the local laws, which means everybody mm. had to have a mask. And if we didn't have the mask, we couldn't go and serve our customers. So, so how many suppliers did <laughs> you
0: su- source those PPE equipment from? Then, oh, we kind of,
1: approximate. So we did it. I don't know. I'm, I've lost count of it, okay. but we did it from at least. Six to seven different countries, uh, okay, yes. you know, to be uh, because every time we did something from some country, there would be some restrictions that would come in. Uh, uh, you know, then we had to go and explore some mm-hmm. new country. Then China had its own regulations that came in. India brought in some regulations. Then you know, I, I can tell you a situation where we had a uh, we had one. Batch of consignment which was supposed to leave that day and that mm. day evening, government of India released uh, a notification which said you cannot dispatch the you know this this type of mask cannot be was, sent was, out. Okay. So conversely,
0: um, do you have any regrets in your career in facilities management? Um, sorry, or rather procurement? Uh, any
1: absolutely risk? nothing. I'm I'm, okay. I'm I'm very happy with with what uh, you know with that I. I selected this uh, field for myself. Uh, okay. the, uh, but any any sort of
0: bad decisions or something like that, that you think, oh, maybe I could have done that differently or something like that, those sort of regrets. I mean, you know, I'm not suggesting
1: you're perfect, but <laughs> I'm just saying, was, was there any regrets? Yeah, so I would say, I mean, of course, there. There, I would say there will be a number of decisions, which I, if I look at, uh, you know, and I kind of... Uh, introspect that, that would have gone wrong but i would say i think one of the things which i i believe uh we could have done is use of technology we've kind of played a wait and watch role okay uh on so you on haven't the been a trailblazer yeah uh, on the technology side we've okay. been kind of being very slow in adapting the technology we have mm-hmm. been very slow in uh in kind of moving forward on any of the technological decisions unfortunately so and that's kind of taking us a little bit we are not the best in class as uh, from a procurement standpoint as a result but but to be fair to you that's
0: not necessarily your um personal regret it's something that you would like to it's a regret business-wise that you know you can enact change now
1: yeah so i mean i could have i could have pushed it faster okay. i think uh then the, the outcome could have been
0: a all bit right. different
1: but. i was
0: pushing you on that one i think that because i think our listeners would be rather surprised if you were to say you had no regrets at all so finally um what things in life uh could be work or leisure uh gives you the greatest satisfaction
1: and enjoyment so from a leisure perspective i i would say i i like to read um you know so that's something which you would if i'm not doing anything i'm i'm reading uh, and if i'm not reading then i'm i'm kind of training with my son I, my son is 15 years old he plays cricket i play cricket as well okay. for my club so i kind of like to train with him coach him and uh, kind of on a weekend normally i would spend time with him coaching and then the last piece would be taking studies of my kids that's that's the that's the best time uh, that i kind of is relaxing because i get to spend time with them otherwise they are kind of in the school or busy with their own stuff but that's the that's the time which i kind of um get to know them better get get to know them what's happening in their life as well so okay these are the three things which i kind of
0: and do your children have any aspirations to go into a career of procurement or do you have uh, different views or they have different views on where they want to go
1: <laughs> I, I, my son is very clear he wants to be an automobile engineer so okay. uh he he's very clear he's he would do an automobile engineering my daughter is uh, uh you know she wants to start her own business at some point in time again she is still 15 16 so too early but yeah at least they have some kind of direction in what they want to or the goal what they want to pursue doesn't look like they want to get into procurement or supply chain for sure
0: oh well maybe maybe uh, listening to this uh, uh audio podcast will inspire them um well Thank you very much. That brings us uh, to the end of our episode of Wear Many Hats. Um, We hope our listeners will find this um, an interesting listen, as I have uh, certainly found it. And we'd like to thank you for also taking the chair today. It's uh, been both thought-provoking and engaging. And um, we obviously welcome the support and feedback from our listeners once this uh, goes out live. Thank you once again.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure.